Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Horrors Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. This is our January Tidbits of Terror episode. Tidbits of Terror, Terror, Tidbits, Tidbits of Terror, Terror, Tidbits, rawr, 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 rawr. Woo-woo! Thank you, Grammy-winning composer Carrie Weeder for our Tidbits of Terror theme song. We actually just recorded the first part of a new episode with her right before we recorded this. Uh, We are going to be doing another horrific experiment, and she is our next test subject. Or or victim, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She actually seems to like horror movies a little more than I thought. She's just uh, hasn't exposed herself to that many horror films so she did say she's horror curious so stay tuned for that episode that should be out in february um on this tidbits episode we have news of an unofficial sequel to one of mindy's favorite movies (gasps) um i'm not sure she's heard about this i hope she's not heard about this because i wanted to surprise her okay but it's either gonna make her really pissed off and say what the fuck uh that's my impersonation of you mindy um or maybe you might actually be into it but um yeah we'll we'll see uh mindy is gonna update us on what she's been watching since the start of this new year also her thoughts on bly manor which she finally fucking watched um about time also bruce campbell has a new book out that we're gonna talk about a new horror film in post-production that brings more diversity to the horror genre and much more so mindy are you ready for this news sure you i've got some news too do you want to go you go first because i'm dying now i'm dying i'm gonna all right (laughs) i'm gonna go first so um so this comes from an article by john squires for bloody disgusting bob clark's horror masterpiece (gasps) black christmas has now been remade twice once in 2006 and again in 2019 but both those two films hardly aim to recapture the eerie holiday creepiness of the 1974 proto slasher filmmaker dave mcrae however is looking to do just that with his new short film titled It's Me, Billy, which is an unofficial sequel to Clark's classic. It was funded through Indiegogo earlier this year. McRae's short fam filled. McRae's short fam... Third time's a charm. McRae's short fan film, It's Me, Billy, is being described as an unofficial sequel that's set nearly 50 years after the events of the first film. In the short, quote, Unaware of the danger that's hunting her, Sam and her two best friends are spending Christmas Eve at her grandmother's old country mansion, stalked by a sinister evil that's been lurking in the shadows for nearly 50 years. Sam is about to come face to face with her grandmother's chilling Christmas past, the deranged psychopath known as Billy. Um, so, yeah, Mindy, thoughts, initial thoughts. Uh, is Olivia Hussey going to be in it? I don't think so, but I'm, you know, his take on it is apparently that she lives. Well, yeah, because I was going to say also Olivia Hussey, like theoretically she would have been what, like 1920 in the original 
movie and like she does it like 50 years later she looks damn good still so like (laughs) I can't imagine her as an old lady but um I'm not freaking out because it's a short okay if it was a full-length movie and they were gonna because they have Bob Clark tried to make sequels as I think you probably know uh with Olivia Hussey even on board but it just never happened because they could never find the right chemistry or whatever I don't know I'm actually kind of interested in this so I'm not freaking out I'm actually kind (laughs) of interested and I, I like the fact that it's a sequel and not a remake. Yes. Because the remakes, to me, I mean, especially the 2019 one, why is that even a remake? Or why was that, you know, touted as a remake? Because it's so different from the original in so many different ways. I think yeah. it would have been a better film. Or maybe um, not a better film, but I think it would have been more successful in the box office, possibly if it was just given a different name altogether. I I don't think it would have received as much of the hate, Um, but I did want to just talk about Mick Ray because obviously he's a huge fan of this film, um, as we are. So he explained that the goal of this film was uh, he wanted to create a tribute film of one of the most famous Canadian films ever made by making a short sequel that displays the same type of mood, atmosphere, and theater of the mind (laughs) that Black Christmas gave us in 1974. What Black Christmas did for the Canadian film industry has never been forgotten, he said. Um, So It's Me, Billy is set to be released this spring, and there's also an official teaser trailer that we will add um, a link to that in our episode description. And I know you and me don't watch trailers anymore, but I did watch this teaser and it really has that same vibe that the original Black Christmas had. So I'm actually kind of excited for this. I actually, I'm going to totally surprise you here, but I actually am too. First of all, if they were to make an actual movie sequel that's one thing but I really like the idea that this guy is paying tribute and and wants to recreate the t- everything you said basically I really like and the fact that it's a short I kind it kind of feel and I this might be all in my head and me overthinking it but I kind of feel like he's recognizing like this is a great piece of horror I want to do a tribute but like I'm not gonna trample on it or I'm not gonna step on its toes I like that it sounds like it sets the mood like I'm, I'm down I'm excited I'm curious I want to see it and there's also a lot of shorts that become full-length feature films so yeah who knows depending on how successful this is it could actually be turned into a full-length feature film which I also would not be mad at because for everything you just said yeah if it's somebody that truly lo- like it's kind of like our good friend Mike Flanagan like he clearly reveres the source material that he when he's doing an adaptation, he, he he clearly reveres that source material. And it sounds like that's what this guy is doing, too. Um, so I would be on board. And like I said, Olivia Hussey's been on board, too, for wanting to do a sequel. So if it does grow into something more, hey, man, we might actually get Jess back on the big screen. Who knows? But I'm ex- let's start small. Let's start with this this short and let's see what happens. But I like it. I'm excited. I think we need to watch this one together. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. All right. But I'm excited for it. So March, you said it's coming out, right? Um, It just said spring. Oh, spring. There's no official date set. So, okay. yeah, who knows? 
Um, all right. So you have some news for me. So this is kind of news for, I guess, the horror genre in general or Hollywood or whatever. 2021 for me is kind of already looking up. Um, during our 2020 movie wrap up, we kept, okay, I kept mentioning the show Carnival because oddly, Many of the movies we reviewed for 2020 involved stars of the show. And by the way, if you have HBO Max or On Demand, I still highly recommend checking out Carnival. Side note. However, I don't think I'd mentioned that the star of the show, actor Nick Stahl, broke my heart a few years back when I learned that he'd been fighting staggering addiction issues and then just completely fell off the grid, leaving me and fans to fear the worst. I am beyond excited and trying not to cry to report that Nick Stahl is not only alive and well, but he is returning to acting. He fell off the grid because he went back to his hometown of Texas and got away from everything and worked in a coffee shop and delivered food and went into recovery. And you can read about it in this uh, Daily Beast article we will post with, uh, with the episode. Quick background, aside from Carnival, uh, Nick Stahl landed his first big role in ugh, Mel Gibson's uh, The Man Without a Face, that movie from a few years back. Since then, he's an underrated but phenomenal actor and has been in films like In the Bedroom. He was in Sin City, where he actually made the yellow bastard character come to life exactly as I'd pictured his motions and voice from the Sin City comic. Uh, he was also in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, which fuck you all. That movie was awesome, and he was a fantastic John Connor. <clears throat> anyway, among other things, he is a great actor, and it gets better. He's starring in a new thriller suspense film called Hunter Hunter, which was released in theaters and on demand on December 18th, about which he says, I just thought it was a really well-written script and reminded me of an old-school horror movie. I read a lot of horror script, or I read a lot of horror scripts these days. It seems to be that half the movies getting made are horror films, and most of them are not very good. But this one I thought was special, and there were also different philosophical themes. It plays with the idea of hunter and prey juxtaposing it with a serial killer and is also a commentary on the industrial movement and the people who are being replaced by technology. Nick, baby, I am so glad you're okay and I'm so glad you're back acting and I can't wait to see what you do next. But I think that's a great year to, or a great way to start off the new year to find out that one of my favorite actors is, he looks hot, first of all, in the pictures I've seen of him and he's taking care of himself and he's alive and well. And Literally, I did not think that that was ever going to happen. It was pretty sad. So yay for recovery. Yay for kicking addictions. Yay for getting better. Thank you, 2021, for that. I wish I could share your excitement, but I don't know who he is. I know, but we'll probably watch Hunter Hunter because it's a, it's a newer, like, scary movie. I didn't know it was released in December, uh, so we'll have to watch it. He does a lot of indie films. Um, and the thing with Carnival was that he's like the lead and that was sort of the lead and that was a big deal for him. But I'm just I'm, anybody who beats addiction or is fighting addiction, like obviously my heart goes to them right away. But literally he fell off the grid and I thought that was that. 
and to hear that not only he's alive, but that he survived and that he's doing well just makes my heart feel good. So that's some good news for 2021 to start off the new year, I thought. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's important. I'm glad if he, you know, was facing addiction problems that he was able to get his life uh, back on track and he's alive and healthy. And um, yeah, I'm looking at this movie now on IMDb and this was not one of the ones that we included in our list of 2020 horror movies. Um, but God, man, there's probably at least 20 movies we did not put on our list because there was just so many from last year. We covered 46 movies. So, um, And I literally yeah. just heard about this movie like on Christmas Day. So <laughs> I think it's a, a IFC movie, too. So it's an independent film. So not that that matters but I don't think it got as much recognition as say like the invisible man you know what I mean all right well you watch it and let me know how it is and if it's good then maybe I'll check it out I will and I do just really quick in tv news shout out to kindred spirits uh that show is back on for season five and the premiere aired on January 2nd this is honestly the one paranormal reality show I do legit watch and can get behind hosts Amy Bruni and uh, Adam Berry seem very genuine in what they do and they try to help people unlike those other ghost shows where they're like we caught some evidence and it told and we totally provoked the spirits here to get the evidence but now we're out good luck you know plus I've heard Amy and Adam interviewed a few different times on different podcasts and I kind of just want to hang out with them because they seem super fun so quick shameless plug Kindred Spirits, Travel Channel, airing now. Happy New Year. All right. So it's not a reenactment show. It's an actual, like, we're going into someone's house. And yes. We're... Okay. Yes. and But they, like, genuinely go to help people who are having problems, which I like, as opposed to, I want to capture evidence and then, like, just leave the family with these ghosts. Who cares? You know? Which I feel like a lot of those ghost hunting shows kind of are these days. And Amy and Adam, like, are very genuine and, and want to help. Do they actually capture any evidence? They do. They do. Hmm. Um, they were part of TAPS the from the original Ghost Hunters show back in the day on the Sci-Fi channel. All right. Well, maybe I'll give the show a shot because I can't do any of those other ghost shows. Um, There's one in particular, this one episode that I will tell you, you can watch it on demand, but my mom, who also hates those shows, actually like put her iPad down and was like, holy shit. And it involves speaking in Polish. So I'll send you that. I'll tell you which episode that is. Okay. <laughs> because I'm Polish, so. Well, so am I. But like, it was awesome because we literally like, they, well, spoiler alert, they're like trying to connect to this ghost and then they hear playback like the EVP recording and my mom and I distinctly heard talk. Yakshamash. <laughs> and my mom was like, holy shit, that's Polish. And the ghost was, in fact, a Polish speaking person that had passed away. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, in um, completely unrelated news, Bruce Campbell <laughs> has a new book out for all you Bruce Campbell fans out there. Minnie, have you read any of his other books? I've not, but I feel like I heard he had a book coming out, but tell me about it. All right. So this is actually his fourth book and it's titled The Cool Side of My Pillow, A Book of Essays. I love him. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that. He's fucking rad. 
he is fucking rad. I want to have a drink with him. He says about his new book that he wanted to write another book, but he's already yammered on about himself in two previous autobiographies, so it was time to mix things up. The Cool Side of My Pillow is a collection of essays. Don't let that fancy word fool you. I'm not trying to get highbrow or rent myself blue, but there are experiences and observations outside of the entertainment industry that I feel are worth sharing. What's it about? Mostly things that matter to me, like putting in the effort, being honest, and not treating the environment like it's the enemy. Awesome. Um, Is it self-help? I hope not. But you will find musings about fame, mysterious carvings, UFOs, and my general disdain of loud noises. Is it political? If it is, I'll refund your money. There are no conspiracy theories in the cool side of my pillow, just snarky humor and a sincere desire for all of us to find peace on earth. So that sounds really kind of awesome. I think I'm going to have to buy this. I love him so much. Yeah, it sounds like it's a pretty quick read as well because I'm already in the middle of four books right now that I have no time to read any of them. And I just bought uh, three books on top of the four books that Spencer gave me for Christmas. I I don't know why I buy so many books because I have like no time to read. Right now I'm listening to an audio book, which I should just buy more audio books, but I'm like, I'm a book person. Like I like to actually physically hold a book and like smell the paper and the pages. Same. Yeah, I agree. But I'm listening to Anne Rule's um, book on the Green River Killer, Green River Running Red. Um, Yeah, I'm almost done with it. I've been listening to it and like every free moment that I have. And they actually just mentioned Twin Peaks, the TV show. Yes. So I was like, holy shit. I was like, I had my earbuds in. I'm in the kitchen and Spencer's like in another part of the condo. (laughs) And I just yelled, holy shit, Twin Peaks. And he comes like running into the kitchen. I was just like, oh, they just mentioned Twin Peaks in the book. And he's just like, okay. (laughs) Her writing is, there's something about her writing that I just find incredibly addictive. Like I can't stop reading once I start one of her books. So good. Yeah. Um, And this is a really, really long book. So there is no way I would have had time to read this. Um, But anyways, that's completely off subject. (laughs) Um, Campbell, however, uh, his previous books include If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor from 2002, Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way (laughs) from 2006, and Hail to the Chin, Further Confessions of a B-Movie Actor from 2019. So just on title alone, those are all they all sound amazing. Um, so yeah, I I do think I need to get this book of essays though. Cause I do like to read something that, you know, you can just like pick up every once in a while and just like read a few pages or, uh, you know, a short chapter, which it sounds like this book is more of that. Um, and not just like an autobiography or anything. So, and I would love to hear his thoughts on the environment and just treating people kindly and you know what he has to say about how we can find peace on earth um and obviously it has his sense of humor layered throughout it so awesome he just amazes me because like he just does not take himself seriously in the slightest he really doesn't and i know ash versus the evil dead the tv show kind of 
got a little repetitive, but that final season was literally a work of genius. And the finale was like, I died during the finale. I thought it was so good. And I just, I, he's on my, I would love to meet list. I think he would be a blast to meet in person. Absolutely. Who knows when we'll be able to do meet and greets again. That's this is kind true. of sad. I miss like horror fests and things like that where, you know, you can go meet these people that you admire and look up to and watch and just kind of see what they are in real life. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do that again one day. Um, well, but, uh, you mentioned Twin Peaks, and I have a little bit of synchronicity news. We that, always mention Twin Peaks. Is there an episode where we have not mentioned Twin Peaks? That's a really good trivia question. <laughs> if there is, that would be a gem. That would be like a diamond in the rough. <laughs> um, but I'm, this is gonna this is gonna kind of mesh like a book review and and some other horror news together. But we always talk about synchronicities, and something really freaking weird happened the week of December twentieth through the end of the year twenty twenty with me. It was like Synchronicity City over here in Mindy's world, and it began with the Great Conjunction, which I'm trying to do in the voice of Olga from The Dark Crystal, and it's clearly not working. But first off, if you're not sure what I am talking about with the Great Conjunction, I mean the closest Great Conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in 397 years happened on December 21st, which means that the two planets were in alignment. And if viewed from the sky, from the planet Earth, it looked like the two planets almost touched in the sky. This happens roughly every 300 to 400 years and it happened on December 21st 2020 funny enough uh this is super important in two of my favorite works of fiction since childhood to adulthood starting of course with Jim Henson's great The Dark Crystal as the mystic Olga says throughout the the film the great conjunction is at hand and then we actually see the planets lining up you're saying the name wrong it's Agra not Olga oh shit you might want to re-say... You might want to become a bigger fan. Shut your mouth over there. <laughs> Touche, Aldra. Spencer. Yeah, damn, Spencer. Spencer, burn right there. Aldra, that was a good burn. You're totally right. I was thinking of other stuff when I was writing this. Algra, sorry. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But then, of course, speaking of Twin Peaks... Uh, according to Twin Peaks lore, the Black Lodge opens when Jupiter and Saturn align, or as the Log Lady says, the stars turn and a time presents itself. It's the Log Woman. Get that straight. Shut up. You you said her name right. Uh, and remember what Hawk says to Cooper in season two. In the Black Lodge, you will meet your shadow self, and if you don't defeat him, it will annihilate your soul. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically the gist. So did you meet your shadow self last oh, put a pin in December that. 21st? Oh, okay. So <laughs> on December Is this the 21st, real Mindy I'm talking to? I can't speak backwards. Damn it. I was going to try and speak backwards like Spencer and I was like, ah, total fail. <laughs> but here's what happened. So on December 21st, the actual day that this, this conjunction happened, I binge read a gothic horror novel called Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. I recommend it. Um, it totally creeped me the fuck out in an uncomfortable way. And I'm trying to stay kind of spoiler free here, but I'm just going to say that it 
did involve shadow cells and a patriarch who literally stopped at nothing to keep his consciousness alive, be it in his own body or otherwise. So cut to Christmas Day, my parents actually got me the Dark Wood Tarot set, which is this beautiful set that includes the cards, but also this wonderful book that talks all about their origins and meetings, meanings, excuse me. The deck's main purpose is to help you understand, wait for it, your shadow self with the understanding that both the positive and negatives within can be understood and used for good. And again, that's the Cliff's Notes, ver- Cliff's Notes version. Um, I'm still reading the book that came with it, but can't wait to delve into this gift a little bit more. But finally, on Christmas Day, we watched the final Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. And if anybody's remotely concerned about Star Wars spoilers, here's your minor spoiler alert. So you can, here's your warning. But basically... And Spencer knows what I'm talking about because he's seen this without giving away too much. I basically shit myself watching that movie because I had no idea that Rise is basically an accumulation of all of the things I just talked about. Facing your shadow self, growing into who you are while balancing the good and the bad, and even a patriarchal figure that would stop at nothing to keep his consciousness alive and to continue, quote, living I mean, definitely different circumstances, but all the themes were pretty much the same. So the moral of this story is... And to make a long story short... Too late! (laughs) Spencer, you jerk. That's my favorite. (laughs) Well, to make a long story short, uh, astronomy and the universe don't fuck around. So pay attention with an open mind and heart. And now that I sound like a new age guru, I'll get off my soapbox and move on, but... It was just fucking weird and super cool all at the same time. And in my eyes, my love of the weird and mystic and creepy was destined since birth by the stars. That's what this past year has proved to me. So there you go. Well, we always say pay attention to synchronicities. So, And I did. And they were a shitload. It was crazy. And I'm sorry I can't go into more detail, but I'm trying to be sensitive to people who don't want spoilers for certain things. But it was fucking weird is all I'm saying. Sharon, what you got? So uh, I have a new LGBTQ horror movie called Lair. Uh, As you know, if you're a a regular listener of our show, that Mindy and I and a lot of other people in the horror community, I feel, are big proponents for more inclusivity in horror films. So I just wanted to mention this new LGBTQ horror film uh, that I just read about titled Lair that was produced by Shelley Atkin under her new company Ditto Films. And this comes from an article in Variety. The film is a UK-based LGBTQ infused horror movie and is written and directed by Adam Ethan Crow. In the film, a fractured LGBTQ family are forced to face their demons, metaphorically and literally, as they unwittingly become embroiled in a man's attempts to prove the existence of the supernatural in order to overturn a friend's murder conviction. The film just completed post production. Atkins said, After 16 years working in the studio system, I'm excited about the opportunity to tell diverse and exciting stories at a budget level that will allow filmmakers to thrive and that won't feel intimidating to new voices, which I plan to focus. She went on to say, what drew me to the story was Adam's dark humor and his highly original take on the horror genre. 
the fact that the stories female led and the family are really relatable and just happen to be LGBTQ plus as opposed to their sexual orientation being a plot point made the story much more poignant. Crow won Best Short and Best Director at the Action on Film International Film Festival in the U.S. for his 2014 short Warhol, and the film also won the Jury Award for Social Relevance in Cinema at the Festival de Cinema de Girona. I hope I said that right. So there's no mention on when Lair might be released, but is definitely going to be something that I'm going to be looking out for. Um, I think His House from last year was also another great example of a movie that does the same thing, having characters who just happen to be refugees, but does not make that the central focus of the film. So sounds very similar to this. And, you know, as we have been saying, it's great seeing more diversity in film, um, especially the horror genre, which often just represents white people the majority of the time. So I've been sort of like silently applauding on this end the whole time because I love the idea that the sexuality part of it is not the plot. I 100% agree with everything you just said and that makes it even better, I feel like. Just because they're LGBTQ, like that's not the plot point. That's just the situation, just like straight couples would be in a horror movie. And I, I like that seeing what to a lot of people are considered like a different lifestyle, seeing that in a quote unquote normalized setting and then having shit happen just like you would a straight couple. Yeah, everything, basically what Sharon said, that I'm thrilled about this that, and I, I want it to be released yesterday because <laughs> I want to watch it. It sounds great. That's awesome. Yeah, and I should correct myself. I should say that horror films usually portray straight white people. More, more, more. Let's just keep making more films like this. And I feel like some of the movies we talked about for 2020, like Evil Eye or, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the one we both liked with the woman who went to her hometown. And Patagor. Thank you. Where it was just in their worlds and in their realities, there were no questions about like, this is Indian culture or this is like whatever. You know, like it was just like we were thrown into their reality there was no commentary about it, and the horror came from actual horror, and I love that. We'll let you know when this comes out. Um, one of my final, well, really, like, my final big thing that I wanted to talk about was, yes, I finally watched Bly Manor. About time. I binged it in one fucking weekend, and let me tell you, that was an emotional weekend. <laughs> I I just couldn't stop with most of like with most of Flanagan's stuff. I watched two episodes and I was like, no, next episode, next episode, next episode. Um, I'm still processing and I'm assuming we'll discuss in depth in the future at some point. So I'm not going to go into huge detail. Yeah, hopefully we'll be discussing in depth with Mike Flanagan. Oh, that'd be amazing because <laughs> he still reigns supreme when it comes to detail. I was not aware and... I should say up front that like my Henry James knowledge is nowhere near where my Shirley Jackson knowledge is. But if you are a fan of Henry James, you will be delighted to realize that the series, yes, is based on the turn of the screw, but also all of James's works uh, and they're naturally handed handled in a creative fashion that I won't go into because of spoilers 
bottom line, I'm still processing and this series is still haunting me. I was literally emotionally gutted by the end of the series. Like I texted Sharon and I was just like, I'm laying on the couch. I can't, I don't want to do anything. Like <laughs> I had to think about it. And, and it was one of those things too, where like, I really liked the characters and was sad. I won't be spending more time with them, which I think is just a testament to Flanagan's writing and his writing team and the actors really as usual, but bottom line, watch it. I mean, it's Mike Flanagan, so it's it doesn't suck. You're going to get something out of it. There were parts that maybe I felt others would say might not be necessary to the story, but I delighted in every little diversion he took regardless. So, yeah, I loved it, but I kind of knew I would. So in contrast, I actually caught the majority of The Turning on HBO the other just the other day. And um, any criticisms I may have regarding Bly Manor, and again, those would be probably minor, seem rather silly compared to The Turning, which did not leave me gutted at the end. Just angry and confused as to what the fuck the filmmakers were thinking. You watched the whole movie, The Turning? Most of it. Like, I, it was like maybe a half an hour in when I started it, like when I turned on HBO and I was like, all right, I'm just going to let this go. I know probably how it starts and watch to the end then yeah and I won't say anything about the end because I'm trying because I know we're sensitive about spoilers but I'll just say that I really appreciated what Mike Flanagan did and was just heartbroken by the end of Blind Manor but like in that good way of like this was a really good story I just watched and I like in a wither like a withering heights kind of heartbreak way so Watch Mike Flanagan's version, Don't Bother with the Turning. Something all of our fans can relate to. <laughs> Wuthering Heights. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, big old house. I literally know nothing about Wuthering Heights. Wait, Wuthering? Wuthering? You know so little, you don't even know how to say it. It's, that's how much I know about it. I know it's a book, right? Yes, it was a book. You know, big house, gothic, love, star-crossed lovers stuff. That's what the turn of the screw, well, that's not what it's about, but that's like the time period. Big dresses, blah, blah, blah. It's not the way uh, Bly Manor is set, but Bly Manor has that sort of romanticism, I feel like, kind of atmosphere, but it's also much better than the turning, which was just, I don't know what that was, to be perfectly honest. Bly Manor had all the romanticism that you would expect from like a Bronte-esque classic novel, I guess is what I'm trying to say, whereas the turning was just kind of bullshit. With all due respect to the actors, because I love the actors involved in that movie, but bleh. <laughs> that's a good that's a good summary of that movie Blech. so agreed yeah i can't wait to rewatch Bly manor but i i need to wait a little bit yes um i've actually i binged all of the queen's gambit in a few Did days you? which is i loved it i it's liked in it my list uh, or whatever so okay yeah i mean like everyone else i had the same thoughts i'm sure is how the hell is a TV show about chess going to be good or interesting or whatever, but obviously people love it. So I decided to give it a chance because every single person I know who watched it was like, holy shit, you have to watch the Queen's Gambit. It's great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. 
Um, I think I liked it a lot more than Spencer did. He thought it was good, but he didn't think it lived up to all the hype. But it's definitely not just about chess. I mean, it deals with addiction and mental illness and feminism and family dynamics and uh, so much more. But it's extremely well acted. Um, The main actress in the show who I'm going to look up her name now. She's been in other stuff. I, I recognize her, but I don't know her So uh, the main actress in it is um, Anya Taylor-Joy, who is in The Witch. Um, oh. And she's been in a lot of other things. She was in that movie Thoroughbreds, which I thought was just okay. I wasn't a huge fan of that movie. But she's amazing in this. I mean, she her performance just makes the show. It's just so good. I don't know. I mean, okay. it's it's funny. The music is great. It takes place in like the 50s and 60s, so like just like everything from like the clothing to the the furniture, the the set design, all of it is just it's just so uh it's just, there's just so much to take in. And it gets dark in some areas, but I really really like that it never um, got like too, too dark. It could have easily been another story about like addiction or mental illness, getting the better of someone and just totally destroying their life. Um, but it only kind of like touched on those moments throughout the show and didn't make the entire show just about that. But it definitely had its moments. I mean, it wasn't like Requiem for a Dream dark. Um, <laughs> it was never like ass to ass dark, but it got dark (laughs) thank god um yeah uh, very few things get asked to ask dark i have to say that movie requiem for a dream that wow talk about like a movie sticking with you i remember the first time i saw that movie and i was just like i want to kill myself right now like what the fuck did i just watch oh yeah i'll never watch that movie again oh i fucking love it though i've seen it so many times i've probably seen it at least 10 to 15 times but yeah it's it's a great movie but um we should do an episode discussing our various points of view on Darren Aronofsky because I know that we both have very different opinions of him and his work and I don't disagree that he's worth a damn but I have very specific opinions on his work and they're not necessarily what other people seem to think because they're not always positive but that's for another episode. But uh, I do want to watch the Queen, the Queen's Gambit. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, it's in my list. It and I just love the lead. Her cute little uh, flapper hairstyle, the red with the curly little curls at the bottom, and like the bob cut. I love it. That alone, I'm like, I'll watch it for your cute little hair. And also, um. What is his name? Um, Bill Camp. He's in it. And he has like a really pivotal role. And he's the voice of the new Forensic Files um, series. But then he's also in uh, The Outsider from uh, that Stephen King show that we both watched last year and really enjoyed. Um, He in The Outsider. Yeah. He played one of the cops, um, Howard Solomon. I'm looking on IMDb. I did not just pull that off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know if you even remember who that is, but he's he's in that. He's also in Joker. He plays a detective in there. Um, Okay. 
yeah, he's a really good character actor, but I loved his role in The Queen's Gambit. Um, there was a very touching scene towards the end of the uh, the show that just kind of made me lose my shit. Mm. But in like a good way. It was like a happy cry. But yeah, not this is not horror related at all, this this TV show, but yeah, but it's that's okay. worth the watch for sure. Well, really quick, though, I wanted to say that... Um, I just want to give a shout out to Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was Luke in The Haunting of Hill House, Mike Flanagan's Netflix show or version of that story. Mm-hmm. But he's also um, Quint in, uh, God, the <laughs> Bly Manor. I blanked for a second, uh, Peter Quint. And he's such a good actor that I did not even realize when I watched The Invisible Man in 2020 that he is the boyfriend in The Invisible Man. Yeah. I had no fucking idea until I finished Bly Manor and went, wait a minute. So shout out to him because that to me is a sign of good actor. And yes, I realize he's British and uses different accents or whatever. But like, if you are that unrecognizable on screen just because of how you're acting that's awesome and he absolutely was i had no idea that was him when i watched the invisible man and to be fair he was invisible for a good portion of the movie (laughs) but he was at the beginning and they did show him and i just was blown away when i realized that it was the same actor so and he does like in bly manor he's not luke in the slightest like he's which is a sign of a good actor. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. But it so rarely happens. So, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and it, his character turns into someone that you just like despise in Bly Manor. He's he's very good at playing like the good guy and the bad guy, uh, which is all interesting. Yeah, because that character has been portrayed in different ways, and there's more I can say about that. But I'll wait till we have our episode about that because I don't want to get into that too much but yeah he was great in blind manner i loved him in that well the last thing i'm gonna say before we uh sign off is i think we should um do a uh, a scale of like good to bad based on requiem for a dream (laughs) where like (laughs) one is is good and then 10 is just like the worst ever so like 10 will be like ass to ass and then one can be like like i'm gonna be on television and i'm gonna wear my red dress (laughs) (laughs) like mindy how are you feeling today um kind of asked to ask today um or like oh my god i woke up today is like so great like i'm gonna be on television <laughs> well i so and this we'll talk about probably in the future too but i love to watch shitty movies on amazon like particularly found footage shitty movies don't ask me why i just do and i always rate two on like was it like a final girl or was it like a mutilated first act victim so those are we have those are two different scales we can work with but yeah uh, i mean this we could also use this scale for movies like um the haunting of hill house could be like i'm gonna be on television whereas uh like the turning would be ass to ass. A hundred percent. Like, that's how bad that movie is. It's ass to ass bad. I really hope that those actors got paid good money for that movie. And since it was, like, a big budget studio movie, I'm hoping that that's true. Because I like the actors involved in the turning, but I just hated the movie. So I agree with ass to ass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Could that be another t-shirt when we decide to have t-shirts? That's a that's a phrase I never said and never thought I would say. I agree with ass to ass on that one. Ass to ass bad. That's that's what our t-shirt is going to say. Ass to ass bad. I like it. <laughs> or the front of it, the t-shirt can say, ask me how my day is. And on the back, it'll say ass to ass. We have copywritten that. You've heard it. No one steal that. That's brilliant. I love Do that. Do we have to get the rights from Darren Aronofsky? Ooh, that's a good question. And I don't know how he'd feel about that. I mean, he didn't coin ass to ass, did he? Mm, I, I don't think... I don't think he can covet ass to ass. I think that's, you know, up for grabs. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, Mindy. On that note, uh, thank you all for listening to us and for putting up with us with this conversation. <laughs> uh, as always, you can write to us at horsetalkhor at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us. And it, at this point, really literally anything. <laughs> Uh, but uh, whether Your favorite ass ass stories, um... <laughs> totally right, uh, or ghost stories, true crime stories, creepy stories, UFO stories, whatever you would like us to read on our show, even ass to ass, we'll read it. <laughs> um, please subscribe to us and rate us and review us. It helps us get more exposure. I keep thinking ass to ass. I keep trying to work it in. I got to stop. That's going to be like, that's our whores talk whore after dark episode. <laughs> the ass to ass stories. Um, we have upcoming 2021 horror movies that we are going to be discussing in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it will be a two part episode. There are a lot of really good movies coming out that we are excited for. So be sure to check out those episodes. As always, please be kind to each other. Be safe and happy new year. And as always, thanks, thanks for, for getting ass creepy to ass. with us. I mean, getting creepy with us. <laughs> Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, oh my god.